Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and a current ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks to not only help you be the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but also help you live the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. I hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. and welcome back to the podcast. This is the last episode in my VCBA mini-series. This episode is all about ABA moving forward. ABA has made a lot of changes in the past, but there are a lot of changes that can still be made. So I am bringing on three BCBAs to talk about it with me. If you don't know me, I'm Nicole from Adaptation Station. I am a therapist who's working on supervision. We're recording this podcast in April. I will be taking the boards myself, hopefully in the next eight to 10 weeks. So depending on when you listen to this episode, I might be a BCBA, but in full disclosure, at the time of the recording, I am not. So I'll be really leaning on the BCBAs to help me fill in these topics. So I'm going to have all of my co-hosts introduce themselves now, starting with Cassie. Hey, everybody. I'm Cassie Lutnager. I am a special education teacher and BCBA. I, um, you may know me from Adventures in Behavior on Instagram. And I'm a repeat <laughs> guest of Nicole's. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alexandra. Um, I'm on Instagram as Kindness and Contingencies. I'm a fairly new BCBA, and I work for a public school district as a district behavior specialist, and I am also a former classroom teacher. Hi, I'm Margaret. I, um, I've been a BCBA since 2015, mostly working in centers, um, but more recently I've been focusing on um, supervision and students. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at um, puzzledpeg. And so what's really cool about this podcast is we all have a huge range of experiences in the public schools, doing in-home therapy, doing clinic-based therapy. And so we all have gotten to see what ABA looks like across a wide spectrum of environments, which I think will help as we kind of talk through these topics. So the first one I want to throw out there, and I might really point to Margaret because she's been practicing in the field longer than any of us, but looking at ABA over like the past 10 to 15 years, how has it improved? I've definitely noticed as I've been reading Cooper, there are a lot of examples in the book that are dated back in the 90s that like I know would not happen now. So I'm really curious, like what are the biggest changes we've seen recently just in ABA as an overall practice? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to just remember how young the field is. Um, the the BACB has only been established since 1998. Um, and so there's been several task lists and several different like credentials and things. And so I, I think that as the the needs change, I guess the, the BACB has um, kind of assisted with that in changing the task list. I mean, in, starting in 2022, there will be the fifth edition task list. So that's five different times that they feel like they've needed to revise different things and make changes. Um, and even the RBT credential hasn't been around for very long. So, um, I mean, I think there's been a lot of changes and it's just important to, re to remember how, how, how young we still are and, and still growing. I think it's great that you share that because I don't think a lot of people realized that. I knew the board was young, but I didn't even know when the BACB was starting. So I think that's a really great thing to share right at the beginning of this podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, if the BACB was a person, they would have just been able to buy alcohol last year. Um, so there's a lot of changes that will happen and that will continue to happen. Um, I mean, we're just a baby field. I'll jump in next. Um, I would say um, even since I've started um, in the classroom and then also since like supervision and I've been doing a lot more um, of like research um, in the last couple years now that I am a, a BCBA, I would say that even some of the like fairly common practices and things that used to be targeted um, aren't anymore. Um, things like eye contact and stimming, um, you know, with the autism acceptance movement, um, they've really educated the practitioners on, um, like, the, the reason behind the, the stimming and the eye contact. And so um, just things that even a few years ago, like strategies that might have been used or, or goals that might have been targeted have started to shift. Um, so, it, I mean, like Margaret said, it's ever changing. Yeah, and to piggyback off of what Cassie said, you know, I think even just looking at why are we choosing certain goals for clients or for me working in schools for students, things like eye contact and stimming and that kind of stuff looking back at like why is that happening why do we target those things is it because it's important for the client or the student or is it because that's kind of been like the status quo so i think there's a lot more discussion about those kinds of things and even just having those discussions and kind of questioning the practices you know even though the field is fairly new questioning those kinds of practices um is really super important. I've also seen a lot of a push towards trauma-informed ABA, which is really important. You know, being in the public school setting, we work with so many students who have experienced trauma, so many staff who've experienced trauma also. You know, I think many, many people fall under that category of experiencing trauma and having that trauma-informed lens when we're looking at ABA practices is really important. Um, I've recently started using Dr. Hanley's PFA SBT in our schools, and that's been a great addition for us, is really looking at, you know, student-directed, client-directed, having that happy, relaxed, engaged that Dr. Hanley talks about, um, and really just following the lead of your client or whoever it is you're working with and focusing on what's important for them and their overall success and happiness, not just doing things because that's kind of the way it's been done. That's a great point. I love that you throw out a resource. I'm hoping that's what we can do later in this podcast. I actually was just talking on my Instagram earlier this week and I had someone reach out and she was like, do you have any resources? And I was like, no, I'm trying to find some. So hopefully this episode will help all of us in that. And so that kind of rolls into my second question, which is where are areas that you think we can continue to improve? And so I have one that I feel really strongly about. Um, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you already know this, but I do have an anxiety disorder that impacts my ability to interact with my community, the people around me. And so whenever I hear somebody, of course, functions of behavior is a very real thing, but when you're working on helping somebody who maybe is having some issues with social skills, or maybe they're having some issues with more executive functioning, or maybe problem solving skills, and they have a mental illness that's part of that, they have an anxiety disorder, they're experiencing depression, something else, 
it's not going to look the same as someone who doesn't have that. And you can't just intervene on the behavior without taking that into consideration. And so I really love when I hear BCBAs willing to uh, even at least take into consideration mental health issues. And that was a, another thing I will always remember I had a student who was on autism spectrum disorders and there was this belief that he couldn't have mental illness because he had autism. And those are not like, that, that doesn't even make sense to me, that statement, because those are two completely different things. And so I would love to see more consideration and collaboration with mental health specialists and BCPAs. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, I know what Alexandra was saying before. Um, I think just to focus on like the clients and what is really important to them and how um, just what we can do to help them um, achieve those different goals. I, I've gotten into acceptance and commitment therapy um, a lot and, and the different ACT curriculum and things like that. And um, that kind of gives you a guide to really help the people that you're working with kind of identify those values and what's important to them and then help them make them make a plan. And uh, I mean, ACT is great for clients and even for staff. There's a lot of lessons I've done with kids that afterwards I've like really been just reflective of what's happening. Yeah, and I also, um, I mean, obviously, um, Nicole and I could probably talk about anxiety all day long, because um, <laughs> I also have an anxiety disorder. Um, and so that's something, um, but I also taught in an emotional behavioral disorder unit for five years. And that's something that I felt like just wasn't addressed enough in the school system. Like we put all of these behavior supports in place, but like, what are we doing to actually support the mental health of these students who like that is their eligibility area. Um, so that was something that was super important to me as well. And um, I didn't know about ACT and all that stuff when I was teaching in the, um, in that unit. Um, so I wish that I had, and I feel like if I was um, in that kind of position again, I would have so many more resources that I could use to help those students. Um, but I also feel like the other thing that I'd really like to see continue is like this push for the client-centered, um, student-centered um, therapy model instead of like what um, the stakeholders want because um, that can be two different things. And um, also like I've really been enjoying like naturalistic therapy, naturalistic environmental therapy versus like the table time, more traditional ABA, the Lavasse method. And not to say that there isn't a place for that stuff, but I just feel like that's where we kind of get that bad rap for being too structured um, and like not willing to, um, too rigid, too rigid and too structured um, and not fun, really. Um, I mean, I personally wouldn't want to sit at a table for two hours um, and I would be the therapist. So I can only imagine like what the kids are thinking. Whereas if I could play with them for two hours, that's a totally different thing. I think that's such a good point. And especially working in the school setting that, you know, naturalistic ABA is so crucial in the school setting. And it's, you know, it goes from 
looking at ABA from changing behavior to understanding behavior. And I think in the school, especially well, with everyone, that's so important. And, you know, we can use ABA, it's the science of behavior. So we can use it to understand why behavior is occurring before we even try to change behavior. Or sometimes we don't even have to change behavior necessarily. Um, I had a situation at a school where there was a student and she was engaging in some pretty aggressive behaviors at the end of the school day and she was on a night to night placement. And, you know, we looked, we kind of took a step back and looked at like, why is this happening? It's because she doesn't know where she's going. And the people that were picking her up sometimes were late. So it was like, the later they got, the more severe the behavior got. And for us, it was like, we don't need to use the principles of ABA to change her behavior because it's valid, you know, considering what's going on. We need to use it for us as staff to understand why the behavior is happening and what can we do as a staff to help her and support her. And I think having that lens is really important. You know, we don't always have to look at changing behavior. It's how can we understand it? And that really aligns with building relationships with your clients or your students or, you know, wherever it is that, that you work. And I think that's a big piece that isn't always there as well that we need to work towards is building those relationships first before we try to, you know, put anything in place. I think that's such a great point because a lot of the times I see that it's not necessarily our clients that need the support it's the staff supporting the clients that need the support and so i think that's a really great like kind of ties back to what we've talked about in this whole series is you know everybody does behavior all the time so aba is not just something that's done for kids it's not just something that's done for autism it can be applied in so many different instances and sometimes it can be such an effective way to help support your staff support whoever it is they're working with all right, so the next question is, we can talk all day long about how we want to see ABA improve, but what can we actually do to help improve in the future? What are steps that we can take as BCBAs to help make it be the kind of field we want it to be? I think the biggest thing is continuing to listen to the autistic voices. Um, you know, April is Autism Acceptance Month, and um, I think that um, we've learned a lot by listening to the people who are the ones that are benefiting from traditional ABA therapy and um, the ones who have not benefited. And we need to continue to listen to those voices. I think that's you know really the most important thing we can do is to listen and then use that feedback that we get to really self-reflect. Um, and I think it's important too, to be able to use the new information you have to say like, is there a practice that I'm engaging in that maybe isn't you know, the best thing to do? Or is there a better way that I can evolve as a practitioner? You know, whether you're using ABA with a student, with a client or on yourself, you know, we can always evolve. And the more information we have, the more feedback we get from those we're serving, we really need to use that to say, you know, what changes can I make? Because none of us are perfect in our practices. And even if you're the best BCBA on the planet, you can always improve your practice. So I think really using the information you get from listening to your clients and saying, you know, how can I use this feedback to make myself a better practitioner? 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of those things. I, I always think, um, you know, as like the field is so young and also all the people in the field are very young. And I think as we get older and we have more experiences, um, we just kind of have more to fall back on. I, um, I myself have a, a daughter and so just watching her grow has really kind of changed my outlook on different things. Um, just really like thinking about how she's learning and then just making sure whatever um, that I recommend for kids, I would be fine with, you know, someone recommending that for, for her. But I, I think it's, there's always going to be feedback. Um, and so it's good to kind of take that in um, and reflect upon it and then just take that feedback to, to then um, uh, guide your uh, decisions going forward um, or something. But, and it's also okay to change your opinion. Certainly whenever I became a BCBA, there was a lot of things that I had thought and um, my opinion has evolved since then. So um, that's okay too. Yes, that's a very important point, but it is okay to change. Um, and I know I have sometimes cringed looking back at, you know, just things I thought and things I said. One that I'll bring up is I used to use the term low functioning all the time, all the time. And I look back and I'm like horrified that I said that. But, you know, back in 2014, I didn't know that that was not okay to say. And it's okay for me to say, you know what, I did say that. I shouldn't say that and here's why. Not just saying, I know I shouldn't say that, but really taking the time to understand why is that something that I shouldn't say. And that's really, I feel like helped me grow more to just, not just know like, oh, that's a bad word, but understand like all of the reasoning behind it, which will help me just in the way I approach my clients. So taking the time to really learn helps a lot. Before we go to the next question, I'm gonna throw one at Alexandra and at Margaret because both of you mentioned resources that I could see people being really interested in. Well, Margaret, you were talking about the acceptance and commitment therapy and Alexandra, you were talking about Dr. Hanley, I believe. Do you guys just mind explaining in a nutshell what you meant by those things in case someone who's listening was curious and wanted to look up more? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Dr. Hanley there um, is a really great, it's really short too, which is great, a really short article called um, A Perspective on Today's ABA. And I like to go back and revisit that because it's really, you know, talks about a lot of the things that we've talked about, like letting the client lead your um, sessions, your services, that kind of stuff, um, having that trauma-informed approach. But um, FTF Consulting is his company. So if you if you look up Dr. Hanley, you'll be able to find it. And there's so many great resources um, just about that happy, relaxed, and engage, and letting the client really, you know, empowering the client to understand that their behavior has power. Um, so I would definitely recommend if you're not familiar with those resources, do a quick Google search and look at all the fantastic stuff they have because it's it's really great. Awesome. Thank you looking up. Um, Dr. Dixon is who um, has written most of the curriculums that I've used for ACT. Um, he is also who did the, um, the PEAK assessment. Um, but he has a, a website. ACT is kind of transformed into um, AIM. So if you go to accept 
uh, identifymove.com. You can see all of his resources there. Um, but ACT just is kind of a way of, of thinking through um, like different things happening in your life. There's six kind of key points of ACT. Um, and by thinking about those different things, um, it just helps you like accept what's what's kind of going on in your life and, and guide future decision making. And I will have information about both of what they shared in the show notes as well so you can find those links easily. Are there any other go-to resources you guys have, whether it is a website, a journal, a podcast, when you're looking to improve your practice, whether you're looking to find out what it means to be trauma-informed or if you just want to be up-to-date on research, where do you go to get that information? Um, one of the hot topics um, currently is escape, escape extinction. Um, and Dr. Megan Miller um, is a um, wealth of knowledge on um, alternatives to escape extinction. Um, there is some continuing education that I believe she's done through the Do Better movement. Um, but I first, I think, heard her on, I want to say it was the Autism Helpers podcast, um, I think. Um, and it kind of was like, oh, like, I, it was things that I had thought about before, but not like really put into practice. Um, and I was still using escape extinction when I heard her podcast. And I was like, it totally transformed the way that I thought about um, my students and um, kind of was thinking through things in the school. And now I'm like, not one to actually use that because um, there's just there's so many other ways that we can um, work through those behaviors than forcing someone to engage in something um, and basically forcing compliance. So Dr. Megan Miller, Do Better Movement, they're great. That's what I was gonna throw out there too. Um, I, I honestly feel like this ABA community on Instagram is just a great wealth of knowledge as well. Um, just kind of connecting with other people. Um, there's a lot of autistic BCBAs out there that, that show really, or that um, share really valuable information. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I would agree that, you know, connecting with other BCBAs, um, for me, especially as a fairly new BCBA, that's been super helpful just to, you know, hear what other people are doing and get resources from other people. Um, Margaret and I were just chatting on Instagram last night about a post she had shared that changed my perspective on something. So, you know, just connecting with others and hearing others' perspectives um, is, is really super helpful. Um, one more website I would recommend for trauma-informed ABA is CUSP Emergence. That's a great website with some resources for trauma-informed ABA. So definitely check that out as well. But just connecting with other BCBAs is, is super important and really helpful. Awesome, and I will link all of those resources again in the show notes, and I'll also have all of my co-host Instagrams linked in the show notes, so if you want to check them out, that's a great place to start with building that community on Instagram if that's something that you feel will help you in your practice, and I highly suggest it because it's helped me a lot in my practice. Uh, is there anything else that any of you wanted to add to this topic? Um, I think that it's just kind of... Um 
you know, like Margaret was saying, the field is so new and, um, you know, we're constantly evolving and learning. And um, I just want to reiterate, like, it's okay to change and to admit that, like, what you were doing wasn't the best practice and to um, grow and move into different, um, different methods. Um, and I just really encourage, like they said, to make those connections because really that's where I've done most of my growing and learn learning. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, when we know better, we do better. And that is for sure, like, I, that has applied to my practice so many times. Like, I think Cassie had said, you know, I look back at when I was in the classroom sometimes and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could do that over, there are so many things that I would do differently or that I wouldn't have done. And that's okay. We're always growing and learning. And I can use that for when I'm in a classroom working with a teacher to say, hey, you know, let's try this. I don't have to beat myself up over what I did before. It's let's take that new information and use that to become better myself and to disseminate that to others so that they can improve their practice. So just, you know, always question what you're doing, self-reflect, think about why am I doing this? Is it because it's the status quo or is it because it's best for, for those that I'm working with? And, you know, that's really the best that we can do to make sure that, that we're practicing to help others, not just because it's the way things have been done. I think just really being willing to ask for help too is important. Um, I think sometimes we spend so much time studying for the test and completing our supervision that once we pass the test, we're like, okay, we should know it all. Um, but you're not gonna know it all and you need to ask for help. Um, and so mentors are really important. Um, I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing I've found on, on Instagram is some people are like, I, I don't necessarily feel comfortable um, asking this to my supervisor. Um, so I'm just gonna throw this question out into the world. And I mean, I've, I've chatted with a lot of random people. So um, just if there's anything you wanna know more about, um, just don't, don't hesitate to reach out and seek those resources. Well, thank you all so much for coming on. This was such an important topic and I really wanted to end this series with this one because it's just, as I get ready to head into the field, I'm already thinking about what can I be doing? So hopefully everybody else that's in my shoes also found great resources in this podcast. Thank you all for co-hosting with me. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at AdaptationStation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.